Golik and Smetty here. How hard will it be to get home from this event? Welcome to the post-Super Bowl podcast of Golik and Smetty. I'm Mike Golik Sr. She's Jess Matana. And Jess, we made it. We made it through the week. We made it through the Ooh. media row at the convention center and you hanging out the waste management as well and, and all the parties in between all the way to the Super Bowl. The game will be the last thing we talk about, but boy, what a week, huh? What a week indeed. Mike, I can't wait to hear about your experience being on the sideline at the game, but I have to say, I think my highlight of the week, it was not uh, it was not doing the show with you in person, although that was right. really fun. Right. Thanks, it was thanks, not thanks going for the out. setup there. Thanks. Hey, I said yeah. it was really fun. It was yeah. not going out to dinner with Gojo and Brandon, which was also really fun. Um, we actually, we went to dinner twice. We yes, a, you did. We, a, we ate really well last week. You Shout guys did. Scottsdale I, and Arizona for all the yeah. good food. I must have lost um, my invite to that dinner, but that's okay. Oh, please. You know? Yeah. Please. Well, you would have, we ordered this thing of queso that honestly oh. got devoured in two minutes. I can't even imagine what would happen if you were there, but <laughs> it was neither of those things, Mike. It was the waste management open at TPC Scottsdale. I know you didn't get a chance yeah. to make it up there last week, but oh my gosh, that was a bucket list sports event for me. And I had so much fun there. So we'll, we'll talk about all of that today. Yeah. So we, we again went there Tuesday, me, Jess and Mike, and we were team DraftKings, and we went against team uh, PGA tour 2k in like a, video game golf off show like, off, yes, show off. Showdown. we put the tease video out so that's been out there and the actual competition video will follow but that's kind of how our our week started that was on tuesday obviously we were here monday on but that was fun but but unfortunately that was the only time i got to waste management i really thought because Super Bowl is always the same weekend as Waste Management, so I've never been able to go. I've always been at the Super Bowl. I thought, okay, this is great. You know, I'll be able to go to some Waste Management while still covering the Super Bowl. But being one of the broadcast teams for Westwood One, you all of a sudden, you have to talk to the players on Monday. You have to go to the practices. You know, there's and, – and listen, I'm not complaining. I got, to, I got to work the Super Bowl and call it Super Bowl. So I'm not, not complaining yeah. at, at, at all. But it did take up the time between that and, and Radio Row where I was very jealous of you. I believe you went Thursday and, and Mike went Friday and the people he went with and the, all the people you guys were hanging with and up in the suites. And, uh, and I never got to go. I saw all your Instagram pictures and was jealous, was pissed off. But again, I was saying, OK, I'm doing this for a reason, working the game. But I'm sorry I missed it because the weather. Oh, by the way, Jess. It's Tuesday. We're, we're taping this two days after the Super Bowl. Yeah. The day we're taping this and yesterday, it has been in the 40s and raining Ooh. here in Arizona. So Ugh. we got so lucky with the weather because uh, it was beautiful. I know when you were out there at Waste Management, but that had to be a ball. And you were on the 16th, weren't you? I was on the 16th. Oh. I'm glad I left town before the bad weather came in, although I was freezing most of the time. I, I didn't realize Arizona was cold in January and February. Yeah. I probably yeah. should have looked that up first. But uh, one thing that I thought was interesting about waste management, Mike, which is last year there were two hole-in-ones on 16, right. and the fans went crazy. They threw beer bottles onto yeah. the green, and it was a controversial and dividing moment for golf fans across America. You know, waste management is already a loud and crazy event, right. like we've talked about, pretty much the opposite of every other PGA Tour event, which is reserved quiet golf claps, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Not um, there. <laughs> this year, there were no hole-in-ones, but I was watching uh, the players tee off on Saturday, and there were a couple shots that went really close to the hole but didn't go in. And fans were still throwing their plastic cups onto the green, and I was... A little like, I don't know, guys, can you throw, I just did a good Tony Romo impression there. Yeah. Uh, can ah. you throw a, a, your cup onto the green if it's not a hole-in-one? I feel like it's a little, you kind of have to save it for the big moment, right? Completely agree. I mean, that that's just people that have already had too much to drink and are just trying to get in on the fun, but it's got to be a hole-in-one. You know, you, you It can't, has to you, be a hole-in-one. You can't throw yeah. your drink for a, a birdie putt. Yeah, so what, what makes it close then? If you're two feet away, if you're five feet away, if you're 10 feet away, because it's going to be the mob mentality. As soon as somebody starts throwing something, other people are going to start throwing shit. It's got to be for a hole-in-one. I, I yeah. agree. 
I'm, I, I'm with you. It was the last group of the day, I'm pretty sure. So I think the fans knew they weren't getting a hole-in-one. Yeah. Um, but they went crazy. And I forget whose shot it was. I probably should have looked that up. But it was maybe a foot away from the pin. It was a really nice one. But still, I'm, a, yeah. I'm with you. It's got to be a hole-in-one. You can't throw the, the – this year they went – the PGA Tour said – we're going to get cups and not throw it's bottles. A, which instead is a of good hoisting choice. bottles and cans, right? <laughs> so they all threw their cups. And it was still it was still funny. I feel bad for the people that have to clean that up because they're probably thinking, yeah. like, the ball didn't even go in, guys. What are we doing here? And the thing about it is, if you're going to throw your cup to get any distance, because an empty solo cup, just think of a red solo cup. Yeah. An empty, yeah. You're not throwing that far. So it no. has to be full of beer for you to get any kind of hoist distance to it. Gotta so now it. you're getting the cups all the way out there, but you're also wasting beer, which yeah. I hate. I'm not a fan of that. But, you know, I, I get it. It was a smart move to go to the plastic cups. And, and again, I, I'm bummed I didn't get there. Uh, I love the event. Any of the golfers that say I don't want to go there because of that hole, stay away. Fine. If you can't handle it. Hey, they, the crowd mercilessly boos yes. if you hit your shot anywhere off the green. Even if you right. make it on the green, but you're, you know, far more away. Than 20 feet away from the pin. I mean, it was merciless. I would not want to play there either. But all the heavy hitters were there this weekend. Yeah, they all, yeah. you know, got cheered and booed at and whatever. And Scotty Scheffler won for the second year in a row. It was right. very exciting. Uh, but I'm with you, Mike. I mean, guys, this is this is what we all have to put up with in, in other sports. Like, you can handle it for one hole. The rest of the course is pretty quiet. That's exactly right, man. If you, you're telling me you don't like that and can't deal with it, then, you know, I want nothing to do with you. Go go have some fun <laughs> on that one hole. They say, I think, over 3 million people went to this. I mean, we, when we were there on the Tuesday, that was a practice day. And the, the, just yeah. to get into the venue. So I'm glad you got to go. Uh, I'm glad Mike got to go. Yeah, uh, I was, saw fans lined up to get into the 16th green, like, stanchions. Right. And the line was all the way backed up to the entrance of the course. And I can't imagine that if you're in that line, you're having a good time. You can't see anything that's going on. And is there even a guarantee you're going to get into the seats? I don't know how any of that works. It looked like a really, you have to be a really, really dedicated golf fan or drinker to stand in that line to make it, make it. Yeah. Up there. But, but the, and then they open the gates and everybody runs right to try it. Yeah. It's like, it's well, like you the run day. and then some of them have to like get in line. Yeah. And then it's you're like, not even in the seats. It's like the, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, when, yeah. when all the sales are going on, all the people are lined up outside the stores and they open the doors and everybody goes rushing in. I mean, it's crazy, but I love it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, so I'm glad the weather was great. I'm glad that tournament with off, went, went off. It's seemingly without a hitch. Um, and I'm glad you got to it. I'm glad Mike got to it. Now, how about parties? Did you get to any parties? No. None. Mike, I was so tired every night by 830. I'm also on East Coast time. So right. I go to bed really early because we do the Levitard show at 8 a.m. every morning. So I try to get to bed before 11 every night, which, you know, you, you used to live that lifestyle. Yes, you know how yeah. it goes. So on Phoenix time, which is two hours behind, I, my eyes were getting heavy at 8.30 every night. And I was barely made. Ask Mike and Brandon, because we went to dinner. Both times we went out to dinner. The first night, I think we had like a 7 o'clock reservation. I was midway through one Aperol spritz and I was dozing <laughs> off under a heat lamp. And then the second time I got, I got a margarita and I swear to God, I couldn't keep my eyes open. And that day we went out to dinner at five. Wow. So that was where I was at last week in Arizona. It's amazing. Cause I, yeah. me and me and Chris love to go out at five. So you're effectively a 60 year old. I, we we discussed this last yeah. week. We're on the same wavelength right now. But you were Mr. Social last week. I know you were going out and about. Well, I mean, the, the Thursday night cigar party, Jaworski and Jaws, is for Gridiron Greats and for Jaws Playbook. And I'm on the board for Gridiron Greats, so I've gone to that thing for years. Brian Erlacher, because Coach Dick is obviously not, not doing as well now, so he doesn't travel to these events anymore. So Brian Erlacher, you know, another former Bear and Hall of Famer, has kind of taken over for him, and, and he lives out here as well. So that kind of party kind of starts really Super Bowl weekend off. The honors awards are that night for the players, and then after the honors awards are over, a lot of the players come over to the cigar party 
Um, so I love that event, and, and because it was here, I went along with Chris, and Sydney went, and Mike went, and it was a great time. It was packed. It was the most crowded it's been, which means they raised a lot of money uh, for Gridiron Greats and for Jaws' playbook and, and for all the people that he helped. So that was a, that was a great event. Uh, I didn't go to Shaq's Funhouse. I did that last year in L.A., so I feel I was at it once, so I'm good. Uh, because that thing gets going, I mean, like crazy. And I stayed till 10.30 or 11 last year, and that was good enough for wow, me. Wow, look at you. Uh, oh, I know, I know, crazy. So that then Friday crazy. Friday night was a very cool thing. First, Westwood One had a, a an, an event for all their major sponsors. Uh, so myself and Kevin Harlan and Laura Oakman, who was on the sideline with me, and Gene Steratore was our rules official, former uh, referee. We went to that and, and, and spoke at that and hung out. And then we all went to Kurt Warner's house. Kurt Warner has a great foundation called Treasure House that helps house like adults with global disabilities so they have place to stay on their own and don't have to live at home. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But his house, I mean, just is like a compound. There's half a football field uh, in it. There's two basketball courts, an indoor-outdoor. There's three pools. It's unbelievable. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The meal we had there was one of the best I've, Chris and I have ever had. We're going, my God. And we got there this late, is, but got this there. This is Disney movie money. This is what you get when you sell yes. your life rights to a movie exactly studio. Right. You get you to know. have uh, two basketball courts, half a football field, and a bowling yeah. alley or whatever the hell you just said uh, uh, in your house. Three pools, an unbelievable hot tub with seats around it, a couple of outdoor kitchens, and, a and, couple and, of outdoor kitchens. And, and by the way, he bought it this way during tough housing time, so he got a great deal on it. It's not oh like, you know, he spent this ungodly Well, I'm glad he got a good deal yeah, on it. he got a good deal on it, <laughs> and all this stuff was already there. Um, and, and, but it was, a, it was a great event, great dinner, and then Blake Shelton performed. What? And yes. Blake Shelton. Did and he Kurt get a Warner, good deal on buddies. that too? Well, I, you know, I I don't know if Blake took anything because it was a charity event to raise money. They're good friends, and it was and so there was just a couple of hundred people there. So I mean, a very intimate thing. There's Blake Shelton performing. Gwen Stefani's there. His wife. The, she comes up and sings a couple songs. Kane Brown. I don't know if you know of Kane Brown no. in in the country world. Incredible voice. He's he's young. He's like 27, but really hitting a big. He was there. He sang. It was unreal. I mean, it was a very, very cool night. Do you have any more parties you want to brag about to me? My, my main takeaway from all of this, I should have gone to the cigar party so Sid and I could have gossiped about you and your yeah. sore winter mentality playing Mobile Uno. But sounds like fr- Saturday night was the night to be uh, a, a hanging on to your coattails, I guess. No, well, yeah, that was Friday night. Saturday... Chris and I actually just went to the casino, in all honesty, because <laughs> because Mike, the same place where the casino is, Talking Stick, that's where Shaq's Funhouse was on Thursday uh-huh. night and something on Friday night. Maybe Shaq's was Friday night. Then Saturday afternoon was Gronk's party, and Mike went to Gronk's party, and then right next to the the casino is a, a Top Golf, which I love Top Golf, yeah, and you could Top walk to great. it. And there was a Serena Williams event that Mike went to there. Mike went from Gronk's event to Serena Williams event. Um, So he was out. He was out probably till one or one thirty every night. Um, You know, so he was really he's the one to talk to about the party scene because he was hitting it all Saturday. Chris and I just went to the casino in the afternoon and we were home early, you know, and and I went to bed early. I, I, I can't do too much of that. Uh, I, I can't you did even... you did ninety percent more socializing than I did, and you're saying you can't do too much of it, Mike. I went to bed at eight p.m. on Saturday night. All right, Jess. Next year we're going to be in Vegas. You're yeah. going to go to some of the parties, okay? We'll see. For, for sure, the cigar party, okay? Because that one's from like eight to ten. It's like it's like eight to eleven or something like that. It's not that late. I can it's do. Fun. I can do that. I can do yeah, that. Yeah. I'll prepare for it all week, but I can do it. <laughs> so wait, we're going to get you to go out to some of these parties because man, it's going to be Vegas. So you know, yeah. we're going to have to have to have to hit it. A I don't little think bit. anything happens before noon in Vegas anyway, so I'll, I'll at least be able to sleep in. Always brings me back to the amazing thing of college, and everybody that's listening to this or watching this has gone through this. We all know in college you didn't go out till like eleven or so. Looking yes, back, which I hate. 
Isn't that the truth? When you did it, you were like, okay, I mean, this is what we do. But looking back on it, how dumb is it? How great would it have been right. if you go out at 8 o'clock and you're done by midnight and I've home? S- Mike, I've been saying this for years. We're all doing this wrong. Yes. And I'm honestly, this is why I don't do it anymore. I like to have a nice early dinner, maybe a cocktail or two. Yep. Tuck me into bed by 1130 yep. on a Friday or Saturday. The next morning I wake up, I'm happy. You have feel Have my good. whole day ahead of me. I feel yes. good. Yes. Completely agree. That's why Gronk did it best. Gronk had a darty. Right? Exactly. His, he, his thing went one to seven. And you yes. could go some range in there. Mike and them got dinner right right uh, before that go. ended. So it's perfect. But then, like I said, he went out to Serena right. Williams' wow. event and stayed out till like sure 1 or 1.30. I'm sure he feels great today, yeah. Oh, listen. Dude was just, you know, because he stayed at our place here. And just, yeah, he was hurting getting up uh, in the morning. <laughs> so so everybody partied. There was over a 1,000 Private planes right here at the Scottsdale Airport for the most Stugatz part. Stugatz was one of them. Yeah, Stugatz got out with Van Pelt to go to Rutgers to, to watch his daughter pl- uh, play, play lacrosse, yeah. right? Or to Syracuse, yeah, right? Syracuse. Yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, so this is everything that went on before the Super Bowl. And then, oh my God, there was actually a game. What a game, the game yeah. Yeah, the game started at 440. I had to be, I was at the stadium at 11. That's the one Jeez. part I really don't like is how early we have to be there because there's just yeah. a lot of downtime there. Um, but, man, it was the, – the one bummer I'll say, because I talked about this before, you know, I think last week or so, I was looking forward to a lot of the stars that were going to come watch the game. You're usually on the field before the game. And they showed them, you know, up in the, up in the booth. They showed mm-hmm. LeBron James. Bradley um, Cooper. Bradley Cooper, Paul Rudd, you know, all the yeah. – none of them were on the field before the game. None Aww. of them. So I was bummed. I, I never Mike. got to see. see I know. You only got me, to go right? to Kurt Warner's house with a private know, show from Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani, but you didn't get to say hi to Paul Rudd. Yeah, That's so, yeah. I feel so bad for you. I wanted to pick with Bradley Cooper. I didn't get any of that. But let me tell you, Babyface with God Bless America and Chris Stapleton's um, uh, national uh, uh, anthem was unbelievable. They were fantastic. I, 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 I'm sure you heard them. I don't know how it played. I heard all TV. of it. Mike, here's what I was saying to my boyfriend as the Super Bowl was starting, because I've, I've been lucky enough to go to two Super Bowls uh, with Sports Illustrated. One was in Atlanta and one was in Miami. And the best and coolest part of being at the Super Bowl is the lead up to kickoff, because there's so much energy and excitement in the stadium there's always some some sort of big show, some sort of video thing happening. There's introductions, and then there's like, Cheryl Lee Ralph. By the way, I don't know if you watch Abbott Elementary. She's like a famous. Broadway I don't. Star. It looks funny though. Yeah. She's she also saying it's very funny. She also sang the Black National Anthem before right. the Star Spangled Banner, and it was so good. And that stuff is always my favorite part of any event. It's just like the music, everything, everyone's all excited and then kickoff happens. And usually it, there's kind of a lull afterwards, but not with this game yeah. because yeah. as soon so, as kickoff happened, yeah, it, it both got offenses going. Went, Let, yeah. Let's get, let's get the, through the entertainment part of it first. What did, because you saw halftime on TV, I was standing there watching it, you know, a hundred feet away, Rihanna. What did you think of the halftime show? I loved it, but it's, for me, it's simple. I liked all of the songs. All of the songs were hits from when I was in high school and college, and it brought me back great memories. I didn't really need anything other than that. I thought it was amazing she did it pregnant. I didn't yes. know that while I was watching, but I kind of was like, I assumed she was because she, she yeah. like touched her stomach right at the beginning, <laughs> yeah. but I think a lot yeah. of people missed that. But I thought it was great. Yeah, as, as um, Mike said on his show, Gojo for DraftKings, he said... Uh, if you're ever not sure if someone's pregnant and you're not and, and you haven't been told they are, don't ever assume that they are from a guy's yes, standpoint. It's right. just a bad thing from a, to do. From any standpoint, really. Yeah, but we knew she was pregnant. You know, we knew that with the info we had and watching it. See, I, I'm a big fan of hers. I knew all the songs as well. The difference was for like God Bless America and the National Anthem, there wasn't a lot of music around, right? Stapleton just had the guitar. Babyface just had the guitar. And you could hear them perfectly. The music was so loud, Jess, in the stadium, you couldn't, you couldn't understand Rihanna a lot. You knew the songs and you knew the words because you knew the, the, the beat of it, 
but it was hard to understand everything. The show was great, you know, everybody up off the air and up in, off the ground, I mean. It was very cool looking. I think there were people a little bummed there wasn't anybody that came out that she brought in yeah. guests or anything. I was surprised. Out there. I thought I was there too. I mean, there's so many guests that she could have brought out too because she's done so many collaborations with other yeah. really really big stars, but she didn't need to. She's freaking Rihanna. She can do it. Oh, she's she great. Oh, and oh, listen. I'm, she I'm was with great. you though. But this whole the whole halftime show, the concert, all of it, it's made for watching it on TV. Yes. It's never gonna be as good in person as it looks on TV. They do it all like the final shot of her on the stage and yeah. kind of like yeah. zoomed out. Like you could see the sky cam like zooming out of frame as yeah. they were pulling it back. Like it was it's all made for TV. It's you're not I gonna be able to see agree. anything from the field. And, and let me say the people behind the scenes. When halftime ends and the players are off the field, the amount of equipment that has to get put on the field for it for a 13-minute performance is incredible. Uh, so kudos to all that did it. Everything, everything basically went off without a hitch. And then, Jess, we had a game that, you know, comes out of the gate at halftime, 24-14 Eagles with a 10-point lead. You're thinking, uh-oh, they're controlling this game. Mahomes hurts his ankle right before halftime and another big uh-oh, but – that game, especially early on, because while it was a 10-point lead at half, it was close throughout, you know, score, score, back and forth a little bit. And you were just kind of waiting for a team to kind of take charge in this one. But, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was, a, you know, a great game. And coming to the end of the first half, though, when Mahomes all of a sudden is limping around, there was that big, uh-oh, they're down 10. He's limping because he re-injured that ankle. One of the things I talked about before the game was, Jalen Hurts, who's going to, is he going to re-injure his shoulders? Mahomes going to re-injure his ankles? A better chance of that happening mm-hmm. because it only took something like a guy just kind of swinging a tackle at yeah. his lower body and hitting him in the ankle, and that was it. And he's limping around. So I think there were a lot of people that thought Cle- or, or, uh, Philadelphia, yeah. Philadelphia <laughs> is going to take charge. And, uh, and Nick Sirianni had said coming out of halftime that uh, when we were talking to, talking to him was – Basically, we have a plan if Chad Henney has to come into the game. We have a plan if, you know, he's really immobilized because of this. But it turns out he Patrick wasn't too Didn't immobilized even from it. So, Mike, were you able to see the shot of Mahomes on the sideline going yes. to the bench right after he got hurt? Because when they played that on TV, he looked like he was in so much pain. I mean, he was, like, screaming. He put his head down on one of the trainer's shoulders. And I thought, there's no way, right? But... Of course, the longest halftime show ever and, yeah. and halftime helps. But um, he came back and you're right. Like he looked fine. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to the Chiefs offensive line because they didn't let him get sacked at all. And, you know, he, he had some pressure on him and he was still able to run and escape pressure and scramble and get yards downfield on his feet even after that injury, which I thought was, I guess, a testament to how tough he is. And yeah. How good and he listen. Is. Everybody would, would, would try and play. It's a Super Bowl, right? Right. And there's also those injuries that if – now, again, this was a high ankle sprain. It's not like when you just roll your ankle because that's a low ankle sprain. This is more of a high ankle sprain. But still, when you get those – you know how it is there's a, that initial pain for yeah. like a minute or two, and I think that's what he was going through, and then maybe it calmed down some. So everyone's saying, well, oh, did he get shot up at halftime, and what happened at halftime? Well, I'd imagine because it's you have extra time, he probably got an IV of maybe a cortisone steroid or something that will keep uh, inflammation down. And then, listen, if he took a shot, he took a shot. I mean, if he did, great. I, it doesn't matter to me. I took shots all, all day long. It would just be you got to be real careful because luckily it's a, it was a high ankle because you don't want to put too much in there where your foot gets numb because then yeah. it's a little tougher to perform. But he came out not limping at all. And I think the biggest difference – I give them so much credit, Jess, is they came out in the second half running the ball. Isaiah Pacheco mm-hmm. runs like a man possessed, a rookie seventh rounder out of Rutgers. He ran the ball well. They started controlling the ball. When everybody thought that's what Philadelphia was going to do with a 10-point lead, just kind of lean on uh, on, on, on Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, and it was they actually outrushed them. I mean, Kansas City actually outrushed Philadelphia, which blew my mind, and that helped them control it in the second half. And then those those touchdown, the two short touchdowns where the wide guy started motion in and then stayed on that side of the field. 
What incredible job by Andy Reid. I mean, I don't want to get too far into the weeds with this, but this is a film study, knowing what the defense is going to do. The defense was going to kind of be in slide and man protection, and the, the man who was co- ended up covering the motion guy already started to cross the defense thinking he was coming all the way across in motion, mm-hmm. but he stays on that side and cuts back out and is wide open. They didn't do it once, but they did it twice. So that is that is a great job, and that's a Nick Sirianni. That the one thing about being one of the NFL partners is I got first dibs with Nick Sirianni after the game in a room by ourselves, and that's what he said. He said, "Listen, you have to give Kansas City credit, you know, for for executing there, but you also have to go a little negative on on Philadelphia for saying, right. wait, okay, you got beat by it once, but then you got right. beat by it twice.' And to me, I'm with. I know Mahomes got the MVP, and I get it. But I talked to right after the game when we go running on the field to interview people, I went for an old lineman. And I ended up talking to Creed Humphrey, the center. The two best centers in the game played in this game, Jason Kelsey yeah. and Creed Humphrey. And because I said, dude, you just shut out a team from sacks that had, including playoffs, 78 or 79 sacks. You know, how did you do that? And he was like, listen, all we heard for two weeks was how great that line, their defensive line was. All our defensive line hurt for two weeks is how great the Eagles offensive line is. You know, so, you know, you take that personal, you know, and you want to you wanna show out. And they did. I mean, Andrew Wiley, the right tackle, had a hell of a game against Hassan Reddick, who, including playoffs, had 19 and a half sacks. So that old line deserves a whole lot of credit for blanking that Philadelphia defense. Now, I will say, but it was for both teams – the field, unfortunately, wasn't the greatest. Yeah. There was a lot of slipping going on. In pregame, I'm, did I was you, standing Did on, you slip on it at all? Man, if, if I had tried to run it all, I certainly would have slipped. There's no doubt about it because I don't have any kind of footing <laughs> at all. But uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the, the safety for the Eagles, I was standing right by him when he was warming up in pregame, and he backpedaled and then broke you know, forward. And Jess, he kicked up a divot that any golfer would be proud of. And, and I saw, I mean, I was five feet away from him. I saw it. He looked back and saw it. He looked at me, and we just kind of looked at each other like, oh, man, okay, that's not good. And he immediately sent somebody in to bring out another pair of cleats. And it turned guys from the Eagles and Chiefs were complaining all game long uh, about the conditions out there. As, as I said on air, I said it looked like, People played a round of golf and never replaced their divots. I mean, that's how chewed up the field looked. And it's a yeah. shame, you know. But, again, it was for both teams. So, not one team got got an advantage over the other team. Both teams had to deal with it. But I, I know it looked good on TV, but, man, it was chewed up pretty good. And I, Honestly, I, it and, didn't look very good on TV by the oh, second okay. half. Like, it, it looked pretty chewed up. And you, we were watching players slide all over the field the entire game. And apparently this was – a, the, the NFL knew the field in, in Arizona was an issue yep. years ago. So they've been formulating this special grass for the Super Bowl. And it's like a, a hybrid of two different types of, of grass. And, you know, this was a big investment that they put into the field. And it didn't work. For whatever nope. reason, it just it wasn't good. And, and it was, it was, I'm happy that no one slipped and tore a, an ACL right, or anything right. like that. But it was pretty brutal for the, the biggest game of the year to have one of the worst field conditions. I mean, I'm a, I watch the bears and the Steelers a lot, and those are some pretty, pretty bad yeah. fields too. So it wasn't anything new for me, but to see it during a Super Bowl game is, was pretty wild. Yeah. It cost him 800,000 to do what they wanted to do with this turf. And that it doesn't seem like it was 800,000 well spent. <laughs> now the issue is there are two stadiums that do sod like this where you actually push the entire right. field they out of the stadium yeah. and then you push it into the stadium. And you know what the other field that does this is? Las Vegas. Las Vegas, where the Super Bowl is going to be yeah. next year. So I, they hopefully between now and then, I think it's a, it's a matter of because they're growing it like on this big tray or whatever, that maybe the roots don't get to set deep enough. I, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. Gro- I know growing grass in the desert in general <laughs> yeah, is tough. Yeah. And I also know that, Mike, there had to have been thousands of suburban dads across America who are watching this game and thinking, I could have. I could have done better. I'm yeah. good. My, look at my front lawn. They got to hire me next year. Yeah, I'll yeah. get this shit right. I know what and, I'm doing. And amazingly enough, Jess, I talked to. So, and I don't know if a lot of people are going to know the name when I say it. 
George Toma. Do you know George George he's Toma? The, he's the sod father. The sod father. So George yeah. Toma has been in charge of the field for every single Super Bowl. He's 94 years old, and I talked to him after the game for a little while. You know why I talked to him? Because I was waiting to do my last hit. Confetti's all over the field. There's a few people moving around. Just he was he walks with a cane. He was picking up trash on the sideline. I mean, so I went over and just, you know, started talking to him. He's 94. His first job of taking care of a field was when he was 13 years old. He helped the Wilkes Bar minor league baseball team. That's how he got started into the sod and the fields. And he has done every single Super Bowl uh, and, and championship games. I mean, he's worked. He's worked in this field for 81 years. He's That's 94. Almost as long as yeah. you've been alive. That's crazy. T- see, you know this. this show what what did you guys bad. talk about though? We, we I talked. I wanted. To, I, we we talked about how he got to where he got, and that's when he he talked about how kids his age when he was growing up worked right in the coal mines, but he was lucky enough to get a job like working in vegetable fields for like 50 cents a day. I mean, a man from another just, era. Yes. Surely. The stories yeah. were unbelievable. And then at 13, he starts working on sod and how it got to the first Super Bowl when the AFL and the NFL merged. And the, he asked the commissioner, what do you want on the field? And the commissioner said, you're the guy, man, you put on what you want. So, and he does, he has, so he, 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 I think he put AFL, NFL, and a crown he should on have the made, top of it. Oh, okay. So, like, what what design do you want? Like, design, Because I was thinking, like, like he, he should have made the field out of, like, marshmallows or something. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Paul, Paul Tagliabue was like, do whatever you want. And he's like, marshmallows. Yeah. We're going to do oh, a yeah. So, uh, um, it was His story is amazing, and he's retiring. And the first thing I said was, you're not going to pull – you know, Brett Favre or Tom Brady retire and come back. He's like, no, no, no. 94, he said, I, I am done. And, uh, but, it, but it's a shame. It's a shame that the field was, was part of the story. But what a great game going down to a field goal with 11 seconds to go, which leads us to, uh, and, and again, the adjustments Kansas City made in the second half by running the ball more defensively. Again, I don't want to get too much in the weeds. I don't like to be an analyst like that that tries to, you know, show how smart I am about formations and all that bullshit. It's a, you know, it's not rocket science out there. Philadelphia is a great running team, a great zone running team. And Kansas City did a great job bringing their linebackers north and south. Nick Bolton had a phenomenal game. And then they filled spots with safeties as well. I mean, that's basically mm-hmm. how they stopped the zone running game. Like I said, I'm not going to dive any deeper in that. They, but they made a nice adjustment to stop the zone run on what they did. They did a really good job of it. And then basically where, you know, I'm trying to see real quick um, of, look, of how many, there were nine penalties in the game and nothing bigger than that last penalty, third and eight for Kansas City. If Philadelphia stops them there, uh, Kansas City will kick a field goal. And we figured that, Philadelphia or Kansas City would have kicked the field goal. Philadelphia would have had about a buck 30 left, no timeouts, and needed a field goal to tie a touchdown to win. The dramatic mm-hmm. ending everybody was looking for in this game. Right. And Bradbury, the cornerback for the, the Eagles, gets a holding call. He grabbed the jersey of the receiver, and then he hooked the hip a little bit of the receiver mm-hmm. and got a holding call, and that gave them an automatic first down. Eagles used their timeout, so they were able to run the clock down to 11 seconds, kick the field goal, and then you had the the wacky play, you know, one try of a wacky play at the end, and it's over. What did you think when you were watching? I'm sure you're watching with your boyfriend. What did what did everybody think when when that call was made? I have the unpopular opinion that I didn't think it was as egregious as a lot of people watching it. It was holding. I think the problem with the officiating is that it's inconsistent at times. If you're not going to call that earlier in the game, you can't call it late in the game, although it was still holding. You should call it – if you're going to call a jersey tug. And and the Eagles player, to his credit, was like, yeah, it was, it was a hold. Yes, he, he admitted did. it. Yep, he did. Um, I, my issue is more with the lack of consistency in not calling it earlier against Juju Smith-Schuster and then not against Juju, but Juju was a receiver earlier in the right. game when there was right. another holding that they didn't call. 
um, which did impact a, that play. I think the Chiefs went three and out on that drive. And then you're going to call it a, in the most pivotal moment. It bothers me that there isn't a, a uniform consistency there, but I thought it was still the right call. It was holding. The player admitted it was holding. He was able to kind of change his direction yeah. and stay on the receiver because he was able to keep up with him, keep the jersey, you know, hold on to the jersey. I mean, by the by the book, it's holding, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And you're a thousand percent correct about consistency because that's all we wanted on the field. If you were going to call something in the first quarter, call it in the fourth quarter. Be consistent. Yeah. So, like, like, like this is this is what especially cornerbacks and defensive backs want to know during the game, how much can I get away with? Are you going to let me be physical with these guys? If you are, then let me be physical all game. If you're going to call something, then call it all game. So I know what I can get away with. Now for James Bradbury in this play, listen, he did two things on it and you wonder, and and you just sit there and try and remember, this is all bang, bang happening, right? So you see the Jersey grab. The, the flag doesn't come out then. And you wonder if the, if the ref, and, and again, this is all, I mean, instantaneous thinking is, I'm not going to call that. Okay, it's a little, it was a little tug on the jersey, I'm not going to call it. But then he hooked his hip. Right. Then he ho- so he did two things. And when he hooked his hip, people were like, well, it was uncatchable. Well, if he doesn't grab his jersey and hook his hip, he may be further down the field and able to possibly catch that ball well catchable pass correct me if i'm wrong but that only matters if it's pass interference right not holding or not holding holding that's because that's exactly right because people were tweeting they were tweeting out the definition of pass interference and i said you people look up defensive holding (laughs) that's the call here it's not interference it's holding which is completely different and and would, would i have rather not seen the flag thrown there yes um, yeah. because I agree, I thought it was a little inconsistent to what was earlier in the game. But you look at that play in a vacuum, and, and it was holding. And again, when yeah. you get the player, I mean, and, and I, w- I literally was standing even with them on that play. So they're half a field, a side of the field away, so about 20-some yards. And you could see Bradbury. He wasn't bitching. He was hoping. He was hoping that they wouldn't throw the flag because he knew he did it. And he was hoping they wouldn't throw the flag, and they did. And he didn't put up much of a fight at all. And then he said in post game, he said, yeah, you know, it was holding. So, and as Nick Sirianni said, and most will say, it's not one play. There are a number of plays that both teams have during a game that you could look at. Now, this just happened to be right at the end when we knew exactly what was probably going mm-hmm. to happen from it. But there are other plays well, that if to you, where if you, you want to point, be in that position. Exactly. If you want to point to one screw up by the Eagles instead of that one play, you can look at the punt return that set up the yep. Chiefs field goal or Chiefs touchdown in the second yep. half, or you can look at the weird fumble, scoop and score recovery by the right. Chiefs in the first half. I mean, those were exactly both right. huge mistakes by the Eagles. I mean, and like the other thing you can look at is the Eagles let the Chiefs score on the same exact play two touchdowns in a row and didn't learn like for I think for Andy Reid to know that he can get away with that a second time is so sharp and so gutsy that the Eagles are going to bite like you said go inside and then they're going to have a guy wide open on the outside is really smart but those those were all things those were all mistakes that the Eagles made that would have had a humongous impact on the outcome of the game aside from a call that I think was a fair call to make. But again, like you said, I mean, it's just about consistency. Yeah, and, and, and when, when they eventually watch that film, they're going to see that they're going to see, I mean, and, and again, I, I'm not going to go into detail about the play because it's just, it's just too far in the weeds of the coverage that they had, but to do it twice, I mean, and Amazing. kudos to KC for trying it twice and it working that, <laughs> that easily twice. Yeah. And then Kadarius Tony, how about this guy? You know, first round pick for the Giants, doesn't pan out, gets traded to, to the Chiefs and comes up with this play, which they we had a right return set, but the punt was kicked left. So he actually, you know, a lot of times if the ball is kicked away from the return, they say, just get what you can get, you know, mm-hmm. and so be it. But it turned out he was able to reverse his field and come back around. Again, I was standing on that sideline, and just as he reversed field, I was standing there going, holy shit, he's got a wall. I mean, he has got a wall of people, and he did. So you're right. There's other plays. So I'm not going to hang my hat on that one play. 
uh, at all. Uh, there were other plays in it. It turned out to be an excellent game. It turned out to be a game, too, Jess, where these two teams could easily be here next year. I mean, yeah. Jalen Hurts is going to get paid. Um, you know, they, they have one of the best teams around. Now, they do have a lot, and, and let me find it, they do have a lot of free agents, which is something that they're going to have to uh, have to deal with. Um, I'm looking at, at their free agents. Uh, Fletcher Cox is a free agent. Javon Hargrave, who had a career year yeah. as a D tackle, is a free agent. Miles Sanders, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, James Bradbury, uh, Isaac Suomala, the guard, uh, Marcus Epps, one of the safeties, and others. They have 20 free agents, 19 of which are unrestricted. So they have a little bit of work to do on who they want to be back. I think Hargrave should be uh, top of line there. I think um, uh, Gardner Johnson uh, should be should be top of line as well as far as guys to bring back and Bradbury. So we'll see. Yeah, but I think if you're an Eagles fan, that those things are all true. But you have to feel good about Jalen Hurts. This was his oh. best game as an Eagle. He played out of his mind. He yes, he made the mistake with the fumble, obviously, but. I, I don't think you feel any doubt with him moving forward. And having a quarterback in this league's, you know, obviously the most important position to nail. So good good for him, I guess. Good good for them. I think if they had won, he would have been the MVP for sure yes. in that game. So yes. just, I mean, a huge bummer. But on the other side, you have Pat Mahomes, who's now won two Super Bowls. He's only 27 years old. This was, I think, a bit of a legacy maker for him, too, which is crazy to say for someone who's not even 30 yet. But joining the club of quarterbacks who have won two Super Bowls before you turn 28, um, it's a pretty big accomplishment. First on Hurts, you're, you're exactly right. And I asked Nick, I said, listen, it's a bittersweet thing, but the play of Jalen Hurts, and he just went on and on about what he did from running the ball, forgetting even the fact that nobody can stop that quarterback sneak that they do, which is unbelievable, <laughs> where they, they just shove him uh, across the line. He had the best pass of the night. That 17-yard out route to Dallas Goddard in, in basically double coverage where it was just over the fingertips of one uh, defender and high enough for Goddard to go get was the best pass of the night between both quarterbacks. It was incredible. So, yeah, he had a monster game. Uh, obviously a big mistake in dropping the ball and Bolton picking it up for KC. But, yeah, I think they are solid there. What will happen with their old line? Is Jason Kelsey going to retire? You know, that's why I saw Malo, the, the right guard, is probably a key guy to get back. They have a guy in Cam Jurgens who they brought in for center, but I wonder if Landon Dickerson, who played center at Alabama and guard and is playing left guard, would move to center. So they, we'll see if, if Kelsey retires or not, but I like where they are. You have to like where Kansas City is. And then what you said about Mahomes is right. Again, I was riding back after the game with, with Kurt Warner, and, and Kurt's like, this guy – has accomplished all this. He's 27. Kurt said, I didn't make my first start in the NFL until I was 28. <laughs> and he goes, he has accomplished all this. Because we were saying, if, say, for some reason, Pat Mahomes says, you know what, I'm going to retire, he's still a walk-in Hall of Famer. Yeah, right. I mean, even, even, Kurt, even Kurt Warner said, if I'm in the Hall of Fame, that guy walks in <laughs> right now with what he's done. His accomplishments are ridiculous at this point. Yeah, um, that is true. Sorry, my dog just came and started nibbling me. Oh, that's okay. Me. No um, problem. That, that is definitely true. I think it's also that this is happening in a, like, quote-unquote rebuilding year, which, which a lot of people were calling this for the Chiefs. We were looking yes. at, you know, the Chiefs' schedule at the beginning of the season, like, oh, the AFC West is going to be so challenging. We've got Russell Wilson now on the Broncos and Justin Herbert and Derek Carr. Like, this is going to be such a tough year for the Chiefs. And they got rid of Tyreek Hill. How are they going to replace him? They don't have any wide receivers. Yeah. And it was like, you know, there were, they had great odds at the beginning of the season to win the Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong. But I think they, there were a lot of doubts in people's minds that this would be a, a year for them to make it back there. Right. And it was. They had to go through, you know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals to get there. Uh and, and they did, and they won, and you can't take anything away from them there. It just, it's, it's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a, a funny thing because after the game, Travis Kelsey, you know, yelled into the camera like, you know, no one believed in us. And there were a lot of eye rolls because, yeah, yeah a lot right, of people believed in yeah. you guys. But yeah. I think you can, you can say, like, going into the Super Bowl, I, Mike, not a lot of people picked the Chiefs to win it no. against the Eagles. I, I did, and I felt like, you know, I got a little side-eye from you when I did that. So. Yeah, I, I, I thought Philly was going to win the game. Pat and, myself listen, on the back for that. There you go. As pat a, as a player, myself on the back, yeah. Yeah, you, you pat yourself on the back a lot, don't you? 
I do. I mean, I, yeah. I picked them in the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl. You did? You didn't, you, you didn't believe in them, and I did. I picked Cincinnati, and then I picked Philadelphia, <laughs> so I did not get that one right. Uh, yeah, and listen, Travis Kelsey's saying that. Listen, players find anything they can for motivation and to put a chip on their shoulder. Brady's done it for 23 years. You know, when they were the best team in football, still trying to find something that makes it sound like, you know, oh, oh, I'm coming after you for this. So congrats to them. Um, a couple other things before we head out of here. We, we, I just talked about the Eagles, who, what players they're going to bring back. They also have to replace both their coordinators now. So we've had all the head coaches now hired in this cycle, um, and both coordinators, first the offensive coordinator, uh, Shane Steichen for the Eagles, he's the new head coach of the Colts, and the last slot filled was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, Jonathan Gannon, was signed by the Arizona Cardinals to be their head coach. So you have those two guys. Houston signed D'Amico Ryans, uh, who was the D coordinator in San Francisco. Denver, of course, Sean Payton signed there. And in Carolina, they signed Frank Reich, who was the had been the head coach uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. So so the Eagles are Nick Sirianni is now replacing his his coordinators. Will he do that from within? Will he bring him from, from the outside? So we'll have to wait and see about that. We have the whole because you know, um, NFL is year round, Jess. We have the whole quarterback carousel. First, though, while we're in the midst of taping this, Aaron Rodgers has started his four day darkness thing. So, uh, for those that don't know, he's oh, going somewhere where he's living and just going, he gets one meal a day and he is in complete darkness for four days. And it's supposed to enlighten you. As I told anybody who asked me on Radio Row, I said, all that would do for me is give me a good day, four days of sleep because I'm an, inch deep, <laughs> I, I'm an inch deep and a mile wide. I'm not looking to be enlightened and I don't think anything would come of it, but that's what he's doing. Could you or would you do something like that? And do you think it would, it would do anything? Look, I am, I am all for people doing whatever they need to do sure. to find what go on whatever spiritual journey they need to but i would never personally want to do this four-day light deprivation chamber thing that sounds like i would come out on the other side a way more depressed and anxious person but (laughs) look man do whatever you want to do like that's great it just sounds like really horrible and and just like mike when i moved to miami one of my favorite things about it was i get to wake up every day and see the sunshine if I were him, that's all I would need. But again, everyone's different. Do do your thing. I mean, give me four days on a beach and I'll make yeah. whatever decision I need to make at the end of that. That's all I really need. Give me pina colada. We're happy. I, I'm with you. Listen, if, if it's going to help you, cool. As long as nobody's getting hurt and anything, fine. Do what you feel you have to do. I think the thing that would piss me off the most is one meal a day. Unless that right. one meal, I mean, uh, unless the one meal is an all-you-can-eat buffet, <laughs> you know. Right. I don't think you'd be able to sleep for four days if you're hungry no. for half of it. That's I think exactly you would have. Right. A, you would be sitting there just grumbling to yourself about not having enough food. That door would open on the fourth day, and I would be so pissed off. <laughs> I, how would it feel? Leave me alone. I need something to eat. I'm hungry. It didn't do shit for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't think that would work for me either. Yeah, and so that's one of the things we'll keep an eye on in the offseason, not not the four-day. What, what will happen light. sooner, Mike? Aaron Rodgers leaves the light deprivation chamber, or Notre Dame hires a new offensive coordinator. Wow, I mean, they just were dealing up. with Ludwig from Utah, and, and Ludwig is, I think he was the highest-paid assistant in the country last year at about $2 million a year, and the report was Notre Dame wouldn't pay the buyout. Whether that's true or not, that's the report out there, so – yeah, no, and then and then along with the OC looking for that again, you know we have to get some Notre Dame talk in. Their great old line coach that came back for a year, Harry Heastan, retired. Yeah, and I think that that I, my personal opinion that had a lot to do with Tommy leaving. I think he came back because he gets along very well with Tommy. They have a great relationship, and now that's has to change and such. So that's a shame. I'm really hoping that, and I know Chris Watt, who was actually an old lineman with Mike at Notre Dame when Mike was there and, and, and Zach Martin, mm-hmm. you know, and some of, the, some of the great linemen that were there, like Zach. Uh, Chris had been in Tulane as an O-line coach and then he came to Notre Dame to work under Harry. So I, I, I know he's getting interviewed. I hope he gets the job. But that's losing your OC and losing that great of an O-line coach, that's, that's tough. Sam Hartman, who, who transferred in, has to be going, 
Oh shit! <laughs> Wait a minute. I came here, and the guy that builds the uh, the guys in front of me is gone, and the guy who's calling the plays is gone. So yeah, it'll be interesting where Indy fills this. On the bright side, there's still a lot of good candidates out yes. there, but that's definitely a weird one. I feel like we're on a bit of a, a Pope watch right now. Like there's going to yeah. be white white smoke that comes yeah. out of the Golden Dome when we finally have a a staff for next season but yeah definitely a weird a weird time of year to be doing it too like we're we're already on you know march madness is in a, in a few weeks and you'd like to have the coaches yeah. sorted out but we'll see what happens mike uh before we go the chiefs are plus 600 next Saw season that. to win the super bowl so i mean we're not shocked at that right they should be the not favorites yeah uh, what, what i was surprised at is philadelphia i think is Basically tied for fourth. It's the yeah. Chiefs at plus 600, the Bills plus 700, the 49ers plus 800, and then it's the Bengals and the Eagles at plus 900. So the 49ers are who don't have a quarterback right now. That's the odd thing to me. They don't have a quarterback yet, and their their odds are a little bit better than Philadelphia's. Does it matter, Does it matter for the 49ers? I, what, what shocks me is that the Jets have – way better odds than the Steelers. And the Steelers actually do have a quarterback. So I'm going to – I'm annoyed yeah, with this now. The, the Jets are – so that's plus tied two, for fourth, plus fifth, sixth, seventh. So they're eighth. Yeah. Plus, plus 2,800. Where I didn't see where are the Steelers. Oh, plus 5,500. Wow. The lowest odds, if All anybody right. wants to know, the Texans <laughs> and the Cardinals are tied at plus 20,000. So hmm. good luck there. Um, obviously – Obviously, it's NFL year-round. We'll talk, obviously, the quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Garoppolo, and all that stuff. Free agency coming. The um, the uh, combine coming up this month as well. And as just mentioned, we have uh, the NCAA tournament coming up, March Madness. NBA, really, you know, now we're going for after the trade deadline and, and KD going to the Suns. All of a sudden, they jumped up as the second favorite now. So a lot to talk about. Football will always be there, but we'll start to incorporate some more. When does F- when does uh, um, Formula One start again? A couple weeks. We'll be, oh, we'll it does. Be back at, and it'll be back in March, yeah. I think oh, the, it the will. new okay. season of Drive to Survive comes out in like 10 days or something like that. So Oh, that's awesome. And also the P- soon. And also the PGA is coming out with their own version, right? Of, of yes. I forgot what they're calling it. Um, drive something. Dri- drive, <laughs> drive. It should be called Drive to Survive. <laughs> drive the fairway or something. They should yeah. both be called Drive to Survive. That's true. That is true. I like, yeah, I, that, I like my true. own idea. I'm going to go pitch yeah. that to a studio job, executive somewhere. Well done. All right. Well, All right. So we Mike, did it. We it made was, it through it a was football great, season. It was great to see you last week. And congrats on getting to call the big game. Uh Congrats on making it through NFL season, too. I, I thank you, Jess, uh, and I enjoyed all our pods through the football season. And next year, remember, you will be hitting some of the parties in Vegas. I'm yeah, take we'll it. see. That sounds really odd that at that point I'll be 61, <laughs> and a 61-year-old is going to take a 28-year-old out to the – you're going <laughs> out to the parties, young lady. Get out there and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, we should tell our audience we're taking a break next week. We're going to do yeah. a little – Rest and recuperation. Maybe we'll we'll enter a sensory deprivation chamber for for the next week. Um, at least our podcast will, and then we'll be back after that. And yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. I will not go sensory deprivation. I am, like I said, <laughs> I'm going all you can eat buffets, and I'll wait for you to send me some goodies. All right, sounds good. 